This month we've got zombies, monkeys and crazies, but mainly zombies, as we peruse the output of the Prince of Pittsburgh, George A. Romero. That's right, you're listening to episode 38 of the Devil Times 5 Horror Podcast, and this month we've been watching all of George A. Romero's horror films. But has it been a George A. romance or a load of George A. Romare? I'm Cliff Barnes, and I'm joined by my fellow devils... (laughs) Comedians Emily McQuaid, Luke Poulton, just out of bed and sounding a bit iffy, Brian Eno, and back with us for the first time in a while, Phil Jared. Hello! Hello. Uh, yes, yeah, CJ's had to prioritise other things in his life for a little while, but he will be back. Uh, so thanks, Phil, for coming back at relatively short notice. Great to have you oh, back. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for asking me. Well, no thanks for asking me on a cool week as well. George A. Romero is a pretty cool week to come back, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Better than the sore week that I left on. I thought it would be up your alley. <laughs> yeah. Well, Phil, you remember how it works around here. We start by revealing the highs and lows of our horror viewing over the last few weeks. And you can start. I haven't really gotten low. I did try really hard to watch Hereditary again and not piss myself laughing all the way through. <laughs> but it's on like second and third watch, it is literally impossible not to laugh through that film. Like, I was even laughing at the start of Hereditary the second time I watched it. Um, so I can't have Hereditary because I've had it before. Um, so I'm going to go for the second uh, the second episode of Inside Number 9. Have you been watching Inside Number 9? Yes. Yeah. I'm just trying to remember what the second episode was. And the first one was a football one, which was yeah. amazing. And then the third one was like this weird family psychodrama set at Christmas, yeah. which was amazing. Though for some reason, they always put like the weakest one on second, like a sort of crap comedy night. Like they put the crappiest one on second billing. Um, but you know, it was all right. It's inside number nine. It was about sort of... Um... Everyone else on this call is now thinking about what their last booking was. And what yeah, we was. are, yeah. You know how lineups work, right? And you were second on the bill. <laughs> ah, yes, that's true. Um, but what you've done there is you've counted the MC. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I was first on the bill. Um, it was the one with the ghost mum. Ghost mum. And it was the characters from Psychoville came back, which was quite cool, right? Like the characters from Psychoville came back and they were in oh, a I've flat. I've never seen Psychoville. That's fucking yeah, great. Yeah, it was like Mr. Jolly. The, this second episode of Inside Number 9, I absolutely love, but I, at the same yes, time... Yes, that, that was great. That was great. They were the characters from Psychoville. They are, yeah, David and Maureen. The same, at the same time, oh. I know that I was kind of like target audience because like, oh my God, Psychoville, yay! <laughs> oh, I had no fucking idea. Wow, I, I really liked it and I'd have got even more out of it if I'd seen Psychoville, obviously, but... Yeah, Mr. Jelly was in oh, it as well. You're absolutely... Brilliant. You'd love Psychoville. That's one of the best things I've ever done. I really, mm. really like Psychoville. Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, but you didn't think it was just a bit sort of wishy-washy and like not about anything? I liked it. Okay. <laughs> well, first thing you're all wrong about. Um, yeah, my eyes. Um, I thought I'd hate the second instalment of It, but I fucking loved it. It Chapter 2. I really properly loved it. It Chapter 2, yeah. I've done, and especially seeing as everyone said it was going to be poo, and I thought it was awesome. Like, I thought it really was, like, properly pitched exactly right. And I thought Bill Hader was awesome in it. Brianie. No, no, again, I've just not watched any terrible films recently. Everything's been a banger. Um, so I'm going to wax lyrical about my high, which I finally got to see, and I was really happy because it was on uh, Prime for, like, two quid. And I was just waiting for the right time to see it, and it's in fabric, and it's literally the best thing hey. I've ever seen. Oh, really? Uh, new favourite film? It's my new favourite film. It was just fab. Just every moment. Because like, um, I wanted to watch it months ago when it came out and then I missed it in the cinema. 
And I was very much like, huh, huh, killer dress. But it's like, it's very much like, huh, it's a killer dress. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah, um, it's so good. And Julian Barrett is in it. And I love Julian Barrett. One of the things I took away is just I really enjoyed how they answered the phone, um, which is a small moment and nothing to do with horror, but it made me very happy. What, with saying phone number, yeah. Yeah, because I still remember my phone number in London. It was 018-124-15991. Visit residence, Brian speaking. How may I help you? And um, that's how they did it. Mine just went 5170. And of course, the classic one is um, Victor Meldrew picking up the dog by mistake and going 4291. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's such a, it's just such a great film. It's so fucking weird. Um, I love all the sort of the weird witchcraft in it and Mm. getting a refund or buying a dress. There's such a ceremonial vibe to it and it's just fucking brilliant. Um, So that's a definite highlight. I guess um, the other highlight, I don't know, it's not really a horror though, but it's got horrible bits in it, is um, Parasite, which I saw, and again, it was one of those films that... It's just very unnerving, but very, very funny and very brilliant. So I've had a lovely month for films this month. Yeah, Parasite's good. Um, People are absolutely fucking losing their shit over it now, aren't they? Going like, it's the greatest film ever, greatest film ever. It's like, it's not the greatest film ever, but it is very good. Yeah. It was great. I mean, it's not the greatest film ever, but it was great. And I loved going in, because I really like Snowpiercer. And again, I don't know if you count that as a horror. It's more of a sort of dystopian, but I do like my sci-fi dystopia. Mm-hmm. Um, and Snowpiercer is a lot camper. And it's got John Hurt going, I gave my arm to a baby. He gave his arm to be eaten so no one would eat a baby. Um, <laughs> it's a good cool. film. Um, but yeah, Infabric is definitely one of the top films. I really wish I'd seen it last year because it would definitely would have been my highlight of last year. Um, as it is, it's my highlight of February. Cool. Emily? Um, well, I've got two highlights as well, and one of them is The Lighthouse. It's just William Defoe farting. That's all it is. It's just William Defoe farting for a good, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> Look at the weird stuff. Isn't that crazy? Look at this crazy. It was awesome. When did, when did you get to see somebody beat a seagull to death? <laughs> it's really good. I grew up in Worthing every weekend. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's... It's weird and involving, and at one point it looks like it's going to go full on batshit Lovecraftian, and then it doesn't, which is a bit disappointing. But um, and it's probably style over substance as well. But you know, quite a lot of these things are. But I thought it was very engaging, and it's a lot of style, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, absolutely. Like it's yeah. mega, um, mega stylish. Yeah, it is beautifully shot, and um, yeah, I found it really, really involving. Been thinking about it ever since I've seen it, and. Um, I saw it on a day when it was a bit stormy, so it was a little bit like um, the film was in 4D. Wait, me and uh, me and Beck went to see it in um, the art cinema in Lewis. Right? Oh, it's really nice, that cinema. Really nice, really posh. And it was me and Beck and a load of like sort of sort of 50 year old sort of, you know, artsy fartsy type people. And then on this side, two blokes halfway through started, you know, taking each other off. In the fucking no. lighthouse. <laughs> That's a film that gets you going. I know, do you know what I mean? And they totally knew. After about sort of, they've been going for a little while, and Beck kept on looking over and going, that is literally what they're doing. And then he started making a big show of like he had a plastic bag, so he was just ruffling his plastic <laughs> bag really loud. <laughs> this is really surreal. They weren't trying to fill it, were they? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, there you go. 
<laughs> on the way out because they obviously knew they'd been rumbled on the, but they left separately like the one guy went as soon as the credits rolled and the other guy stayed right till the end and then when all the lights went up that guy he walked out and he made like a big show of talking to the usher about what the film was like uh, he went oh I, I just I just wanted to say I thought that was Robert Pattinson's greatest work <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say it was a load of wank <laughs> it was good it was great um Yes, I don't know what it's like if you know without somebody masturbating in your eye line, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> I wasn't that keen on the lighthouse, you know. I I thought it was daft. I liked I liked its style and all that, but it just didn't really ever take off for me. It's like um, basically, I got the point of it by half an hour in, and then it doesn't really go anywhere. I thought I I disliked it because I needed a wee about an hour in, but I was like, if I wee, am I going to miss something weird and necessary? But none of it was necessary. Mm. So I had a very angry piss afterwards. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Willem's a face great. Doesn't really do much. Hey, are you low, Emily? Um, I don't have a low. My other one is a high as well. Um, wow. And that is a complete contrast. It's uh, waxwork. Nice bit of 80s cheese for some reason. I've not seen up until last week. And um, yeah, it's silly and fun and um, quite liked it. Um, Luke? I'm going to say underwater for my high even though i know so okay. many people are hating it but it worked mm. just quite perfectly as a lovecraftian film and for me for ages i thought it was meant to be a cloverfield film because it had been rumored as that but then someone else took over but when i do actually watch it it feels like they were going for a cloverfield film for most of the film just because of certain things that happen that's um, interesting i think kirsten stewart is good in it and right from the start it's very over the top and actually quite creepy from all the sort of underwater monsters and that and works quite well and has a reveal in it that I really loved. Um, but yeah, I haven't really understood the hate on it. It's got quite a lot, but I did. I had fun with it. Okay. Um, now, why do people hate it then? I don't know. I don't, on IMDb, it's most people saying that Kirsten Stewart ruined it, but she doesn't really do. Oh, people just hate her, right? Yeah, for some reason. I don't know mm, why. They yeah. do. No, I had fun with it. Yeah, and your low? My low is The Dead Don't Die. Um, oh, the Jim Jarmusch Oh man, that's, that's so dog bland shit. and boring. I just hated it so much. It just, I got like twenty minutes in. And I was like, "What? What the fuck are they doing with this? Why does? Why do they tr- keep trying to do comedy, but none of it works?" There's a point where three people keep going into the restaurant and seeing that there's a dead body in there, coming out doing the same joke to each other, and it just falls flat. The whole thing. It's got such a good cast, but it's oh, one of the worst things I've seen in a long time. And isn't fun in any way. And for a zombie film, it is very, very dead. I've got a couple of uh, new releases, my high and low. My low is Harpoon, which, uh, conversely to Underwater, everyone seems to love, but it is shit. It's um, it's about three friends, except they all are obnoxious and hate each other, uh, on a boat trip together. And they have a fight because they don't like each other and they get stranded without any food or water or anything much of use on the boat in the middle of the ocean. It goes to great lengths at the start to quote Aristotle in an attempt to like justify how these people can be friends. And I think if you have to do that, you should know you're onto a loser with your your whole premise. And then like then the writer director Rob Grant has them quoting uh, Jan Martel and Edgar Allan Poe, which doesn't really oh, match man. the characters at all to try and justify what their actions are. It's all bullshit. It's rubbish. It's awful and annoying, and they're horrible characters. And it is shit. <laughs> <In a nutshell. laughs> anyone else seen Harpoon 
I've saw that it's like certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and got really high scores. Yeah, people like it. I don't get it. It's um, I think maybe there's a film to be made about three people falling apart on a boat, but that ain't it. It's just like they they're horrible from the start. And well, something I really hated about it was it ends with basically the narrator, who's a fucking irritating smug cunt throughout anyway. Um, chuckling basically about what happens at the end and at the very end of the end credits you hear the director laughing and go ha ah, that's a rap ha ah. ha as if it's going for shit in it bollocks <laughs> you're an idiot for watching this it's, it's rubbish um and my high though is uh it's horror adjacent it's called chain for life it's about the making of a horror film um i think the best way to describe it is you know Barbarian Sound Studio and you got that character Gildroy? Um Gildroy, yeah. That character Gildroy and uh the you know the fiction and the film mixes and messes with his head. It's almost like Chain for Life is doing that with you as Gildroy. It works on like at least three different levels of reality, I think. And um at the start I was like, wow, this is quite badly acted and seems really misguided and a bad idea. <laughs> um by the end of it i was like wow that was really fucking fascinating and i'm not quite sure what happened but yeah i I really liked it chain for life it's got the guy from under the skin in it hasn't it yeah adam pearson yeah yeah anyway they were our highs and lows now it's time to move on to this month's theme best known for his zombie movies beginning with night of the living dead we're looking at the career of george a romero A day away. <laughs> I think that's, that's that is that is my favourite one. Yeah, yeah, that was that was good. That was that was good. Yeah. The best thing about these is um your little smile on your face. Like I've done, I did this. Yay. I've done a thing. I've done a song. <laughs> and in fact, we're going to start with the second of those zombie films, 1978's Dawn of the Dead. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. Dawn of the Dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. They must be destroyed on sight. When there is no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Dawn of the dead. As Pittsburgh succumbs to a zombie apocalypse, two SWAT team officers bravely decide to steal a helicopter with two friends from the local TV news and run away. I don't know if that's one of the problems I have with the film. Like, they're not on any sort of mission or anything. They just run away from their responsibilities and they're hiding. Um, I don't know. I've got issues with Dawn of the Dead. Everyone else seems to think it's a masterpiece, but it's never totally worked for me. How about for you guys? I don't know how you would have a problem with it, because that's what you should do in a zombie apocalypse. Run the fuck away. And hide. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's not what I would do. Why, why have they got to have a mission? I don't know, it's just like, they're, they're not, I'm not even sure this is the problem with it, that I have with it. I think the problem I have with it is that when I was about 
14, 15 or something. I did a really ridiculously long paper round one morning that took two hours and I was coming down with glandular fever and I couldn't go into school afterwards because I was just feeling so rough afterwards. And I put Dawn of the Dead on and ever since then I've just associated Dawn of the Dead with feeling absolute like shit. Ah, so it's not the film's yeah. problem, it's your problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I first saw it when I was 17 and I was having a, a terrible time and I watched it. I went around my dad's house and watched it on his computer on like tiny like window on a legal website thing. It was like the days before. It was when LimeWire yeah. was still kicking around, and mm-hmm. I completely wrecked my dad's computer. But I was like, "Mwahaha, take that!" Um, and it just really resonated with seventeen-year-old me's just like fucking fuck this general vibe. And it's 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 had a little special place in my heart ever since because um, these people are terrible everything's terrible i think um a lot of it and whether you like it or not depends like in terms of like the plot and all these things it depends on whether you like the nihilism of it because i've always loved dawn of the dead but because the nihilism of it is is sort of just bubbling along but i think on some of them he just goes completely out of the way and just everything is completely worthless but this is just sort of just on the cusp of like there's sort of a tiny bit of reason to still be alive a tiny bit of human emotion still to cling on to and i think that's why it's really great it sort of skirts that line if you see what i mean that's why i think it's good that it hasn't got a plot because they are just literally just trying to work out a reason to still be alive and it's like buying shit <laughs> any film that has a plot with morero is shit like rewatch <laughs> well spoilers don't don't jump ahead we've got loads of his films to that's true out. though that isn't it any any film yeah the ones where they've actually there is plot because my favorite ones are the ones that are just chaos and the more right, chaos, yeah. the better they are, I think. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the chaotic bit at the start of Dawn of the Dead is the best bit. I, it is I, the best bit, yeah. Yeah, when, when it's all, yeah, it's crazy. And there's, there's like, gore effects everywhere. There's messed up zombies everywhere. Yeah. yeah. One at the beginning, his head explodes in the block of fats. And it's actually That's meant good. to be, um, it's the ladies. Yes. So they basically just put brown paint on this, on this um, model of, <laughs> what's the woman's name? Francine. Lady woman. Fran, Francine. Fran, lady woman. And um, you could just see if you pause it, it just it looks like a really terrible model of her face and they've just filled it with dog food and put an afro wig on it. It's brilliant. <laughs> Don't pause it. <laughs> never pause it. If anything, speed it up. <laughs> it's much, much better. Yeah. Never, never, ever pause it. Yeah, because you, you can't just see the seams, can you? It's like they put signpost the seams. Welcome to where the seams are. I swear I've never seen that zombie with his foot off before, but that's an amazing bit. When's that zombie with his foot off? Which bit's that? Quite early on. Maybe it's only in the Argento cut, which is the one I now watch. Well, the Argento cut's better, right? It's sort of um, peppier, isn't it? There's three different cuts of the film, isn't there? Yeah. Doesn't George Romero's cut take sort of six days to watch? Pretty much. He really loves things to be as slow as possible. Week of the living day. (laughs) Yeah. It's about two hours ten, I think. The, it doesn't need to be that long, the man. Main yeah. version. He makes some of his films just, yeah, just way too long. Yeah, yeah. a lot of them could do with losing about half an hour or so. Um, yeah. I have to say, with Dawn of the Dead, I think this was the first time I'd watched the Argento version, and I think I prefer the other version, just because there's more of the stupid slapstick comedy in it. Oh, I hate that. I fucking oh, no, hate that's, the comedy. That's what I've always loved about it. When the zombies are all falling over on the escalator, that's brilliant. 
But in the Argento bit, it's all kind of like, oh no, zombies are everywhere. Dun, 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 loud guitars. Whereas the um, the Romero one, you've got like the gonk playing, that silly bit of music. And they're just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, these the, the remainder of their humanity is their stupid need to look at shiny things in shop windows. And making it funny and silly kind of emphasises that, I think. What about when the bikers turn up and start throwing custard pies everywhere? Oh yeah, that's oh. that's that's daft. Yeah, yeah. I love this movie. Gets his blood pressure taken. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> that biker who has his blood pressure. He, even that actor doesn't look convinced, does he? He's like, why am I doing this? <laughs> What's my motivation? <laughs> <laughs> has he ever had like? I, I, watching all of these Romero films, like he's never really had a good actor, has he? Like one person that like <laughs> really shines. <laughs> they're all sort no. of, they're all kind <laughs> really. of layers of uh, quite amateurish actor, aren't they? I suppose he he likes to cast a bland lead, doesn't he? Oh a man, he loves a bland lead. lead. Yeah, a dead-eyed lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a problem. I like Richard French. Is it? Is that his name? The guy he's got an eye patch in Dawn of the Dead. He's the one who says. They must be shot on sight. He should be in Moscow. Oh, he's great. Yeah, he's in the crazes, yeah. right? He's really good in the yeah, crazes. He is, yeah. Um just I like that guy because he talks normally. Then he shouts for no reason. Then he just goes back to being normal again. Then he shouts again. And then like so he goes back to being perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, like um in well, certainly in the Romero cut of Dawn of the Dead, uh, everyone talks about the Muzak that's playing in the shopping mall, which but, obviously uh, you know, it's, not, yeah. it's not Muzak, is it? That's not Muzak you would hear in a shopping mall. That's music that's just been ripped off some fucking Tom and Jerry cartoon or something. That's what I always hear in shopping centres. <laughs> yeah. The time I walk in, it's the man stood in the doorway doing that. Are you talking about the? Yeah, that's the Well, there's that as well. There's that as well. But yeah, there's others that are just kind of like wibbly noises. Yeah, so the Goblin score on the Argento cut is so much better, surely. Yeah, I do enjoy Goblin, so I was happy to listen to Goblin. Just makes it more exciting. I enjoyed Dawn of the Dead more the, when watching it last week than I have for a while, for a long time. I think it's one of those films where um, I've now seen it so many times it's difficult to judge. When I watched this last week, and I decided to watch the remake straight afterwards okay. um, to compare and contrast. And obviously, yeah, the original has a lot more charm. And you complain about the music, but if you've seen the remake, it's all disturbed and that, and the remake is fucking awful. Um, <laughs> I, quite, I quite like the remake because of how ridiculous it is, and it's still Zack Snyder's best film to date. Yeah, it is, cause, but that's only because his others have been... So terrible, yeah. It is the charm they always fall down on, isn't it? Because that's the thing you can't, you just can't replace, really, isn't it? That sort of magic element of charm that God knows... How yeah, it's, it's in with them the changing it to be running zombies as well. Yeah, that's always a mistake. I think I'm not. I've never been one for running zombies. Ah, well, um, first running zombies. What film were the first running zombies in? Was Twenty-eight days later. Was it Nightmare City? No, Night of the Living Dead. The original Night of the Living Dead. Ben is talking to Barbara about what he's. He's got that long monologue that he's basically improvising. The actor's improvising it. Um, and he's talking about how the zombies were running after the truck at the diner. Yeah, so they're not shown on screen. But, yeah, but like, but the the zombies, like running zombies, that they're like parkour mm. zombies, aren't they? They don't just run; they like they peg it and jump off things. They're like they're like rats, but like in right. the only ones, they do run, don't they? Like the very first scene where he's in the graveyard, he is running, but it's like a stumbly, crappy 
you know, it's the way I run. It's not like a cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like bounding off shit. Okay. I don't like it. Uh, but I, like, I really don't like this. What like, can you I, not I, like about it? You know what I don't like about it is it's poor. It's, it's poor. It's, um, I really hate the use of library music. Oh, yeah. Okay. Again, the mu- I think the music is really spoils what could work. Um, the first 45 minutes of it, so the first half hour, is basically man does DIY while improvising a long monologue. Yeah. The middle's pretty boring, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. really good, that guy. I don't think he's a bad actor at all. He's probably one of their best actors, yeah, I think. He's, he's quite good. But, he's got um, one of those voices where um, he could say absolute bollocks and it sounds oh, really yeah. profound. He would have made a good Doctor Who had he been in a been born in a different country. He's very commanding, isn't he? He's got a, he's a commanding presence. Yes, he is. Yeah, he was a theatre actor, I believe. Yeah. But the middle is dull, like it does drag in the middle. Yeah, it does. For a film that's not particularly long, it does feel a little bit draggy. I don't like the way that all the characters refer to the zombies as those things over and over again. You're going to say those dead people, those weird people. You're not going to just go those things. Everyone's, there's been a meeting. Everyone's decided they're called those things. I can't exactly refer to them as like, oh, Dave. Dave's over there. Mm. Better shoot Dave. Yeah, Dave just ate my mum's knees. Rude. Yeah, yeah you can't. Dave. <laughs> Dave, what are you like, crazy? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of beakers in him. <laughs> that's so um, dave look at him eating the vicar's pancreas <laughs> the film's not meant to be about zombies though is it like no. romero says it's all meant to be about racism in america when he first made it to an extent that's bollocks and i'll tell you for why that's bollocks is that actually he never wrote it like that he just chose the best actor and then was like oh now i've got a social theme oh okay yeah of course that's he works. true of course he would, yeah. yeah. This is what Romero does. He goes, oh, I'm going to make a film. And then he makes it. And halfway through, he goes, wow, so it's about this now. And then <laughs> That's a good impression. I didn't know he was Jimmy Savile. <laughs> <laughs> now then. Now then, Sorry, there's I... some zombie. <laughs> I saw the stage production of Night of the Living Dead. Oh, and I'm, that's, better th- that's better than the film. Because they it? paint everyone in black and white. And then... The fun thing about it is that they do the whole Night of the Living Dead first, have it end the same way, and the second half is what would the thing be like if these things happened? Oh, so it oh changes, interesting. Sounds that sounds changes good. it all about, and it's it's really fun. All right. Um, but Day of the Dead, I do like. Yeah, Day of the Dead is brilliant. Except for the opening. Except for the opening of the hands coming through the wall. Yeah, that's really lame. And that reaction it? of, like, she's just seen a little spider or something. Yeah, it's her <laughs> reaction, which is weird, I think. It's a dream. Yeah. yeah, but still, the reaction of the way that she turns around and puts her hand on her head, it's not, it's not really like she's actually seen any zombies. It's very hammy, the way she turns around. It's like a shampoo ad, isn't it? Yeah. Swishes <laughs> yeah. <Switches> her hair. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't like um, Dare the Dead particularly. I think that's like the weakest of the first three. Is this because of the nihilism thing? Because that's the, obviously the most nihilistic one. Yeah, there's, everybody's horrible in that. It's just shouty. It's very shouty. Yeah, it's very shouty. I think I like this one the more I see it, because when I first saw it, I was just, yeah, I genuinely was a little bit like, all right, yeah, it's enough, enough of you. Enough of your shouty army men now. 
Yeah. The whole time. And the woman being sensible and them going, no, little lady, we're not going to do that. And like, oh, she's I'll right. I'll tell you that really gets me down about it, which is really, just, it's really stupid, but it's such a small thing. But they've been, they've been apparently trapped down in that bunker for ages and ages and ages. And it's spotless. It's like absolutely beautiful. <laughs> um, they haven't got like, no one's cleaning up. None of those army men are going around with a mop. It should be absolutely rancid down there, but it's oh, nicer than point. where I live. Mm, um, and it, it's... It's really mm. stupid, but every time I watched it, it just really takes me out of it. I just go, God, it looks, it looks lovely. <laughs> it's absolutely lovely. And they've made a half-assed go at it by like making the bins be a bit overflowing. If you see what I mean? But it's really sort of half-assed. It, Maybe it they've got amazing, a team of cleaners it? who we never see. And they're all really, they're always really clean as well. They're not dirty. They haven't got like greasy, crappy faces or anything like that. They're all beautifully turned out and pristine. The bean laddie has got a hell of a lot of product in his hair for an apocalypse. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I think you'd stop using that shit. I really do. <laughs> I think you would. Uh, I think you'd at least dial it back. Uh, but yeah, Day of the Dead is the one where there's just nothing nice about anybody or the situation or any hope or anything for the future. It's just like rats waiting to die in it and don't. Yeah. Um, I, I do I do like it because it starts off so strongly with the hello 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 and the amazing music and like I'll yeah. happily put that on Spotify and do my cleaning to that because um, it's just a banger and then it kind of just, just gets it gets maybe that's why the uh, bunker was so clean then they let the zombie in every uh, so often put like some cleaning cloths on his feet and he just shuffles <laughs> around the place. <laughs> well, that's why the they're training up. Uh, that's why they're training yeah. Bubba. Training up Bob, Bob, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I like it, but it's like, it's all out of 10. It's like, I think someone gave Romero a bit too much juice or something. And he was like, yeah, I can do this now. And Didn't he have his budgets cut? Is yeah, that right? It was gonna be, well, it was going to be like a war film. More yeah. like what Land of the Dead turned out like, but because he wanted to go like really gory and have an X rating, they said, "Well, you can't have that much money then," and so they had to just say, "Oh, we had to just do a film set in a bunker." Instead, the gore in it is amazing. The special effects yeah, are really, it's the yeah, best. Yeah. The best special effects so ever. Guts them, I think. falling off the table is is yeah. awesome. Oh man, yeah. They, the little brain, the little brain zombie where he's just a brain mm. <laughs> it gets a bit like um reanimator like especially with the mad professor the yeah. fucking frankenstein because his whole like <laughs> he's basically just out of a pantomime just like oh hello i'm about to cut off a zombie <laughs> i'm just completely covered in blood and no one questions it and it's like uh... and the hair he's got stupid dark mad scientist hair no it's subtle there's at least some subtlety in dawn I'm not usually a big fan of subtle, but because uh, it's all very annoying. But then you've got that great bit where um, Officer Curtains uh, get the yeah. curtains, and um, he's just like lying on the floor shouting, "Choke on them, choke on them!" And that's brilliant and not subtle, but that's really enjoyable. He's a good baddie, isn't he? He's a baddie that you hate. Like he's like, yeah, you know, he's he's there specifically just for you to get riled up about, isn't it? And be happy when he gets his guts pulled out. And I'm I'm, I'm behind that. You know, I think that's great. I was, yeah. yeah. I mean, but I mean, the way he made you hate him is just he was constantly shouting and just being really unreasonable about everything. <laughs> just, <laughs> everything. Okay, they're going like, "Oh, we've got a solution to the zombie apocalypse." It's like, I don't care about a solution. I want you to know how we're going to stop these fucking zombies, <laughs> mate. That's what we're trying to tell you. He'd be like, if you offered him a cup of tea or a sandwich, he'd be like, "Thank you for my sandwich." There's no, there's no <laughs> <laughs> He's at 11. No, he'd be more like, um, never mind the sandwich, where's my fucking sandwich, is what he'd be like. Yeah. 
And then you got the men in their little caravan at the end of the cave. Yeah. Mm. Are they a gay couple? I don't That's think That's how so. I read it. They're just united in their love of rum and whiskey, I think. They weren't even meant to be in the film. Just George Murrow walked in. That's where they were keeping their caravans. <laughs> That's why they put on the fake accents. The accents are incredible. <laughs> yeah, there's an Irish one, isn't there? Yeah. There's an Irishman and a Jamaican, I think. There's an Irishman yeah. and a Jamaican man. Yeah. The Jamaican man goes Irish for half of it. I think they got their scripts confused at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just when you hang around with someone for long enough, you start picking up the nuances of their accent. <laughs> Land of the Dead, next. Uh, no. What a load of oh, shit. Ah, come on. Do you think what so? What a load of shit. It's, it's bollocks, right. but it's a good popcorn movie. It, I know it's trying to carry on what happened to Bub in Day of the Dead, where he starts acting almost human, so now... They've got to try and go back to their jobs and one man gets excited by petrol throughout the whole film. <laughs> so he actually sets a car on fire in the end. Oh, I, just, I don't understand this film. I, don't... I like that it's a whole film about trying to repossess a van. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a big, it's a nice van, but like they put a lot of effort into trying to get that van back. All of it is just like if a teenage boy spaffed on a zombie film. <laughs> oh, just Dennis yeah. Hopper as well. Well, he's always good value. I enjoy Dennis Hopper in this. He's phoning it in, but, you know, still Dennis Hopper. I like the film. I think the effects are great. I love the way that it mixes up um, human actors with zombie makeup and really decompose zombies that are puppets. So you got them moving around together. Um, Yeah, there's a lot of good effects. Um, That zombie that, you know, the one who jumps out of uh, the fridge that's full of champagne? How long has he been hiding in there waiting for that? Oh, How did he just wait for a hand to go yeah. in. <laughs> He's playing the long game. Yeah. The zombie priest who is just like, it looks like a headless corpse and then suddenly a head flips up. Oh, that's amazing, that bit. I oh, love yeah. that. Yeah. And not, not just because I saw, saw that film in the cinema with a friend who doesn't really like horror and they went, ah, I hate this film at that point. And I was like, ah, brilliant. Flip top head. That's never really a threat because they've already got weapons. That you don't yeah. really, right from the start, when they've already got a massive fuck-off car with guns on it, you don't ever think, oh, I'm scared for these people. It's like, no, they've got everything they need. And even when they go to the shop to get all the alcohol, it, yeah, it's weird. How long is it of, the zombies have meant to have been around for? Because the army have already put out like barbed wire fences. Mm. But every single shop they go to, there's always food. And they're still explaining to each other what zombies are. I was, I was thinking that all the way through. They think you've both been living with this for decades. Yeah, because yeah, it feels like a lot of time has passed. That yeah. People, you know, everything is kind of divided up into zones and then you've got the rich people over here and people are making money off it, etc. I really like the bit where the Cholo, who's uh, John Lukasumia's character. Yeah. I, I really like the bit where he's uh, bitten and... Yeah. His mate says, shall I shoot you in the head? And he goes, no, I've always wanted to know how the other half live. Because <laughs> yeah, obviously, like, that. like, that's a great line, because obviously back in the day it meant how the rich people live, but now it means how the zombies live. I, th- I really like that. Mm. There is one little thing that he does where he gives Dennis Hopper some champagne that he's gone out and bought, but he's put them in tumblers. And it was like, mm. okay, that's that's good. Well done, Romero. Mm. A little bit of class stuff, that. Because obviously you put them yeah. in champagne loops, which I know, because I'm very posh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I never stopped being distracted by the fact that the lead, Simon Baker, looks exactly like Jamie Oliver. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Diary of the Dead. Uh. Found footage. And the thing is, it doesn't even look like found footage. It looks like uh, just a handheld movie because it's lit well. Because like usually you do a found footage movie because you haven't got any money, so you can do something where you can get away with not lighting or bother like filming stuff well. But 
I think Die of the Dead is well filmed for a found footage movie, and it just makes me wonder, why bother? Why is there so much Dutch angle? Why can't they mm. hold the camera straight? Oh, why is that bit where their best mate is about to be killed by a zombie? Why are two of her friends oh, what, just, behind, hold, in the background, just, just still holding filming. their cameras filming instead of helping out? Oh, I hate that they have to describe every single object that they use in this movie. There's the first time they have to te- say what cameras they're using. Like, they yeah. really need to know that. Mm. And we just have to, because of music being over the top, they had to describe that. Uh, then the guy has to explain <laughs> the gun that he's using and that the, the, the safety is off. Yeah. And then it just why are they why do they have to tell us what objects they're using the whole time? Maybe it's it's a deliberate character thing because there's not really that much in the way of character other than the girl that goes, "Hey, I'm from Texas, yeehaw!" <laughs> <laughs> and um, of course, there's there's the um, the posh English professor like, "Where's home? Where if you can call it the home, Portsmouth?" Downs fifteen <laughs> gallons <laughs> of bourbon. Portsmouth visits yourself. I like the bit where they defibrillate the uh, zombie nurse's head and her eyes pop know, out. Oh, eyes yeah, that's... Eyes just come out, yeah. 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 That's, that's good. good. Yeah. It's not completely worthless, I don't think, but it is bad. And then we've got um, Survival of the Dead. Top of the morning for you, you big bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 If somebody oh. could recut it with the cast of Father Ted in it, that would be kind of <laughs> better. So I hear maybe. you're a zombie now, Father. <laughs> that would be an ecumenical matter. Can't someone just do the... What's the whole deep fake thing that they do now? Can't someone just do that and put all the face of the people from Father Ted just on everyone? Putting a request out. Yeah, someone should do that. Do you think George Romero had only just discovered what lesbians are or that they exist? <laughs> I think so, yeah. It's like, I like girls, yeah, good. I like girls, yeah, yeah that, that's good. That's her character yeah. trait. She's a bit what, feisty. What do lesbians do? Uh, let's, call, let's call her tomboy. And um, what do lesbians do? Oh, I know. They probably just sit around wanking if there's no women around to lick them out. <laughs> probably just go out, out, sitting outdoors, having a wank in front of all the men. Yeah, that scene. Uh, what is, yeah. uh, awful, what's, the, um, what's the game show he's watching as well? Do you mean a talk show? Yeah, the talk show. Yeah, when that guy keeps going, oh, I don't want to keep watching it. It's funny. Because uh, he does those awful jokes, doesn't he? Mm. Why are zombies good at oral sex? Because they'll eat anything that you put in front of them. What? Well, just, it, it's kind of what? like... <laughs> well, it, it seems Roy Chubby Brown survived the zombie apocalypse and he's writing for the show. <laughs> Which one army guy finds hilarious? I just don't know who was asking for a sequel of the army men from Diary of the Dead. Yeah. Who said, I want to see those characters again. I have loved those. Please make a film just about them. And why do the Irish people talk as if it's the 18th century? It's like, as if Robert Eggers has written their dialogue. You know what it reminds me of? There's an episode of Star Trek where they have like space Irish. Um, so it's Star Trek Next Generation. And they're like, Captain Picard! and it's it's awful and then there's an overly sexual one that Riker tries to get with and there's there's hay everywhere so watching this I would have much rather watched that terrible 1980s space Irish episode of Star Trek so I think we've come to the conclusion that Romero zombie films are a mixed bag yeah <laughs> yeah and he only has about yeah. three good ones Two. Two, yeah yeah 1973's The Crazies is a zombie film in all but name really yeah, yeah, but uh, it's just it's very bland, though. It is. It's, it's disappointing because this is one that I hadn't seen and wanted to see for ages, and yeah, it's a little bit kind of nothingy. Somehow the remake's better. Yeah, I mean, I like the start of the crazies where it's uh, like similar to Dawn of the Dead. I mean, this is this is before Dawn of the Dead, but where it's just madness and like the uh, authorities trying to get a handle on stuff. 
and it's kind of documentary like i really like that bit but again it's the problem that he casts such boring leading men and i really like the women in this i really like that they're two girlfriends and wives or whatever i wish the film was about them not the not the men who are dull yes the good thing about it is the craziness, right? It's the it's the absolute sort of frenetic madness of nobody knowing what the hell's going on. And I think that's like set at the start. That's the thing that he does really well. Um, yeah, I really like the crazies. It's one of my favourites. Um, and All I think right. the reason I like it is just because it's just because of the unformed mayhem of people sort of screaming and shouting, knowing they're supposed to have a job to do, but they've got no idea what it is, and they they're not qualified to do it. They've been made to do it. They've been like taken to places they don't want to be. Um, no one and no one has any of the skills they need to survive but they're still sort of trying to get just sort of make the best of this mad situation and i think that's the only thing that he really if i'm honest i think that's the only thing george romero is actually really interested in is people in those sorts of situations and i think the crazy does it the best maybe it's those kind of situations but there are little glimmers of hope but they do usually get trampled on literally in the case of this film where the guy's like look i've got an antidote and people just step on him and (laughs) Yeah, but they're yeah. trying. They think there's a way they out. They are trying, they like yeah. But there's trying. always these little kind of like, yeah, just just things to hang on to, little things to kind of grasp for, but it never quite, never yeah. quite comes off. But yes, I do think, and it has those moments of, it has the sort of funny moments and the sort of Dawn of the Dead-esque type uh, bits of sort of slapstick comedy uh, in amongst all the sort of horror. And I think, so I think it works quite well. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not about anything particularly. Is it about the Vietnam War? I guess it is. Yeah. Um, you yeah. could say it was, it yeah. Be, yeah. And it's kind of a dry run for Dawn of the Dead, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Like wrong-headed military interventions in in things, isn't it? You know. Um, well, it's only a few few minutes in, they start talking about nuking the whole town, isn't it? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Remind me of Threads in parts. But it's so like later, Threads. But, yeah. yeah. Like men, men sort of panicking in a, in a place because yeah. they know that it's all down to them, but they also know that they have absolutely no handling what's going on. Sure. Um, well, we'll skip over Creep Show because we covered that back on episode eight. So next up is 1988's Monkey Shines, which was the first time Romero had adapted a novel. It's about a man who gets hit by a truck and paralysed and is given a monkey to help him around the house. But it's an evil monkey. <laughs> this is bad, right? This is a bad film. I feel like this is a bad film. Yeah. Did anyone ever watch Malcolm in the Middle? Yeah. 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 Malcolm in the Middle did a whole episode where Craig was in a wheelchair and he had to help a monkey. <laughs> And that's a better version of, of Monkey Shines. I feel like there's a good film in Monkey Shine somewhere, but it could do with losing about half an hour and being less cheesy. And oh, a lot yeah. of the it characters. It is cheesy, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. cheesy as fuck, yeah. It turns into a sitcom almost. Yeah. yeah I, I kept thinking I was watching a TV movie, so whenever anyone says fuck or cunt, I was all like, whoa, why did they suddenly say that? I thought I was watching daytime television. Also, why when he's having a bath does it sound like someone's boiling some pasta below him or just boiling water below him? <laughs> yeah. oh, his his mum's obviously he, using the... Um, what is, yeah, what is his mum doing with that there? bath? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a cauldron below him. Maybe he's yeah. just farting. <laughs> he's got, he's got no control of his lower half, as he say. He could just be Aww. guffing away. <laughs> I felt really, really sorry for the monkey as well, to the point where stupid though it is, the scene where he finally kills her at the end, spoilers. <laughs> That's so funny. It's, oh, it's, that goes on for that goes on too long. It goes on for too long and it is like something out of Garth Marenghi, obligatory mention of Garth Marenghi every single episode of this, of this podcast. Um, usually by me. Um, but I still felt really sorry for the monkey because you kind of go from like, oh God, that's that's horrible and that's the only way that he can destroy her is with his teeth and that's 
that's that starts off being funny and then by the end i was just like oh i like the uh comedy scientist guy i think he's like yeah. very 80s and uh reanimated yeah. an 80s film isn't it a comedy scientist like him um but the the sort of plot twist that he reckons the the brain serum has given ella a psychic connection to alan mann a man that is, that is yes. subtle a see what they did uh, there a man um so he thinks well if i inject myself with some then i have a psychic connection to the monkey you're a scientist man what you, <laughs> what you get this idea that if you inject brain into your brain you get some psychic <laughs> connections with a monkey what um, then in 1990, Romero paired up again with Dario Argento, as he had with Dawn of the Dead, this time to make Two Evil Eyes, a two-part anthology of Edgar Allan Poe stories. Argento did The Black Cat, with which a bit is of good. the pendulum thrown in, which is good, yes. Mm. While Romero covered the lesser-known story, The Facts in the Case of Mr. Valdemar, which is about a plot to stiff an elderly man out of his fortune. Which is not good. <laughs> which is not good. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I think it's... I look to it more of a, as a comedy. It's very silly. It's like a sort yeah. of heightened kind of comic book daftness to it. The Argento one is is less like that. The Argento one is more serious and more kind of like artfully made. And I think they kind of complement mm. each other nicely in a way. So similar in tone to Monkey Shines, the way it just looks so cheap and yeah, TV like. Really TV. And then like you get yeah. Argento's story, which is like it's a proper film with lots yeah. of different locations and effects and different timelines and flashbacks and stuff like that and good actors and, and yeah, yeah good, well lit good effects yeah. and the, the effects in Romero's one is pretty shit it's like did he just have like less money yeah. budget so and Argento had 90% or what or, it really or shows is him up, didn't Romero it? Yeah. just not very good by this point uh, Tom Atkins shows up that's yeah that's one plus but still that's true we need a shouty cop who are you gonna call yeah, <laughs> most of the reviews seem to prefer the Romero version, but I don't know if that's just sort of blind love for the films he makes. The second half is so much better than the first half. I don't know how you would argue mm. that it wasn't really. It seems like it's better yeah. in almost every every way. You shouldn't ever make a film with someone like a two-parter if that person makes something that's a hundred times better than yeah. you. Romero's, like you said, feels just like a TV drama and then Argento's is a million times better and actually feels like a proper film yeah uh then a decade after creep show uh, romero returned to stephen king for an adaptation of his novel the dark half a kind of jekyll and hyde story about a famous novelist and his murderous creation uh phil you're a resident stephen king expert does the dark half work for you well i've read the book uh-huh. but i haven't seen the film um so i can't tell you but right. <laughs> What I can tell you is that The Dark Half is possibly the nastiest Stephen King novel. Like, it's okay. it's unacceptably horrible. So I was going to ask, like, um, uh, the, the reviews I've seen of it says that it's just extremely boring. And for, such a, and for such a nasty novel that The Dark Half is, to make a dull film of that seems to me quite sort of impressive, really. Is it, quite, is it as boring as people say it is? I liked it. It's really. all right. The, the story's solid. Um, it is a little bit dull in places, but there's also some bits that are quite interesting and freaky. But I, it, I think by the sounds of things, they've toned it way down from... I haven't read the book that they've... Yeah, and it's, it's, it's clearly been intentionally toned down. Like the, the, the guy who gets his uh, cock cut off and stuffed in his face is just shown in silhouette. There's no <laughs> evidence that there was ever... Um, that there was There's ever, no cock stuffing on camera. Just <laughs> yeah. Oh. No, it's not like it was filmed and cut out. It was always yeah. intended to only be shown in silhouette. So, mm. 
you know, it's tame. It's very kind of R-rated. It's not like they were trying to push boundaries or anything. Which is weird because because um, Romero does do some really horrible things in his films. Like, you know, some, some real brutal, nasty, realistic violence type stuff. So I don't know why they would um, dial it back so much for this one. Well... Yeah, I, I think they just wanted to make a mainstream... Well, it was 1993. Yeah, I guess. You know, horror was different in the 90s, wasn't it? Yeah. Actually horrifying people was the last thing that films wanted to do. Yeah, it's all tongue-in-cheek, isn't it, in the 90s? Um, yeah. And, you know, like, the the plot of The Dark Half is... It's stupid. I mean, it's somebody's, you know, pseudonym coming back to kill them. So it's like a, it's a yeah. really silly plot idea. So you can probably get away with it in a book a bit... But in a film, the sort of silliness of that is really going to come across, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like if your if your pseudonym comes knocking at the door, it is silly. But I think that that side of things, as far as you can ever possibly get away with that, the yeah, I mean, it's, it is a daft story, but it it's solid. I think it would help if it was a better actor than Timothy Hutton playing that character, because he doesn't really do the extremes of the two sides of the character. Mm. Yeah, he's he's not great. It is ridiculous that he's called Alexis Machine. Yeah, that's a ridiculous name. <laughs> he's a machine. Yeah. yeah. You can ask him to set a timer. <laughs> but if he was English, he'd be called Bernard Teasmaid. <laughs> <laughs> and their last film Romero made before returning to the zombies uh, for the rest of his career was Bruiser. A kind of surreal comedy thriller about a loser who wakes up one day to find he no longer has any facial features <laughs> and takes that as the cue to murder the people who've walked all over him. This is, uh, this is bad, isn't it? It's a bad one. <laughs> it's bollocks. It really is. Peter Stormer's having a lot of fun. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, Peter Stormer. Yeah, yeah, he's the uh, fashion mag boss. Oh, it's it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He is the only reason to watch it, I guess, isn't he? He's so beyond the pale. Um mm. He is a very good actor. A walking erection. <laughs> such a bastard, isn't it? The noughties uh, was such a weird fucking time for film. That's all I could gather from watching this and just remembering the films that were released in the noughties. Like, no one knew what they were doing. It looks so dated and so cheap. And it was really, like, it's the first Romero film I watched that wasn't zombie-related. Um, and I put it on, and me and my mate were watching it, and we kind of turned to each other going, isn't Romero supposed to be good? <laughs> I I took it to be similar to, I don't know if you've seen these films. Um, Stuart Gordon made a film called King of the Ants, which is a kind of gangster thriller. Oh, yeah, but King of the Ants is, is that's better That's really good. It's really good, yes. But also like what Brian De Palma would do around the same time, like with Femme Fatale. Um, just these kind of really sunny, breezy, European-feeling thrillers that are a bit weird. Um, and I think Bruiser is almost like a precursor to those and it was i liked it uh i I love the shot of them trying to get the toothpaste on the toothbrush and you can tell that they tried to do that so many times (laughs) and in the end just got it wrong and were like no we still just got to keep this really shit shot well what do you think about the whole faceless part of it i think that's quite scary the face the the, the blank face is is pretty cool I think it's a good Yeah, but, but the concept, yeah, the concept of waking up without yeah, the a face. concept is interesting. Yeah. But when he starts painting it, oh, yes. that's, yeah, that loses yeah. it a bit when he when he um, goes into that house and he's just painted a, a black cross over the whole thing. It doesn't, it makes it just really odd. That's to show that he's work. cross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did he's strike me as a bit weird was it, it seems a bit, um, 
misogynistic. It feels like a, a story that an incel would write. It is which, a little bit, yeah. Oh, God, given yeah. The, given the, like, his, uh, one of his first films was um, Season of the Witch, which is very feminist. It's, did he just grow old and turn into a cunt? Who knows, you know. Uh, well, Maybe he was just imagining what it was like to be a young cunt. It's not that it. It's not that just. But I mean, everybody ignores him. I suppose if it was, if it had been like he's ignored just by women, then I suppose so. But like because everybody ignores him, then then just by definition, some of those people have got to be women, and that. So I could see maybe it comes across as more misogynistic because of that. Um, it's the treatment of the wife or the the girlfriend. It feels unnecessarily nasty. I mean, yeah, she's a dickhead yeah. clearly, but they all have to like... be horrible, don't they, for him to have be able to take revenge? If you see what I mean. Otherwise, but mind mm. you, you don't really root for him, do you? You're not like, no. come on, lad, these people no, have been horrible true. to you. Like, it's a similar sort of thing to Joker, isn't it? Whereas, like, it's a man who's not very nice, but the whole world is sort of turns against him. But even in Joker, you you're rooting for him a little bit, aren't you? Like, and in this, I just don't feel like you're on his side particularly. He just seems like the biggest dickhead in a whole world full of dickheads. Which, again, is very George A. Romero, isn't it, I suppose? Oh, it's just when the woman trying to push on the train and then he just decides to just throw her under it. Like, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's his fantasy, but I thought that was it's amazing. just like, someone's that angry about someone pushing. Yeah. He's like, no, you don't. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about those fantasy sequences. If the whole film yeah. had gone in that direction where he just imagines killing people, that would have been brilliant. And then it's got that terrible, like, iMovie ripple effect to show us all. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, it, yeah it oh, it's so terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Well, uh, shall we rewind back to 1977 for our second feature, Martin? My name is Martin. I'm 84 years old. People think I'm crazy when I tell them how old I am. I'd like to be normal. I just have a sickness. The only way I can survive is by drinking blood. See, people don't understand what's wrong. They think that I'm a monster. They think I'm a vampire. I don't have a whole lot of women. It's nice to watch them. I watch them a lot all the time. I have to. I have needles now. I can use them. I can put them to sleep. And it doesn't hurt. From the director of Night of the Living Dead. A young serial killer attacks women and drinks their blood because he believes that he's a vampire due to an ancient family curse. Um, Emily, you picked this as our second feature. Do you think it's one of Romero's best films? Um, Probably not, but I think it's a very, very interesting film. And I first saw it was in my early 20s and I was in a bit of a kind of a dark, moody place. And... um, it really resonated for some reason. Whereas now, sort of re-watching it, I find it a little bit excessively too bleak. But I still think it's quite interesting. I think it's you're very much in there with Martin as a character to the point where it feels kind of uncomfortably close. Whilst at the same time, I still couldn't actually tell you whether he is actually a serial killer or indeed actually a vampire or just a sad, lonely boy. Do you think the killings are possibly not real then they're just his fantasy they could be they're real they're definitely real yeah i don't know because the 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 scenes that are very very definitely fantasy are the black and white ones which are very much kind of like old school um vampire movies but i mean it it could be that the um because the scene at the beginning i'm not sure if he actually means to kill the woman or if he just wants to like knock her out and then drink her blood and then he's not bothered whether she dies or not but i'm not sure 
But then he does make it look like a suicide. He does, yeah. But he has a fantasy before that, doesn't he, when he goes in that room. He has a fantasy of her turning around and putting her arms out to hug him. Yeah, that's right. Well, she's like the sort of sexy lady in the billowy nighty and sort of old school Dracula yeah. um, kind of thing. And then, in fact, she's just a normal woman who's just put her face mask on and she wants to go to bed. And there's this random kid in her room and it doesn't work out how he planned. So it's very much kind of like a sort of an intimate portrait of that kind of adolescent thing where all your kind of fantasies are very, very heightened and reality looks shit. But of course, if you're someone who's moving in with a family member who thinks you are actually a vampire and deserve to be staked, um, it really is shit. So it's an interesting one. His great uncle does look like Colonel Sanders. He does, So much, yeah, so much. All he knows is meat. (laughs) (laughs) He just wants rotisserie Martin, really, is what it is. He just wants to cover him in the seven seven herbs and spices. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. I just learned that you can kill a vampire through their belly button. (laughs) <laughs> in this, this film people that are staking the, in the mattress next to where they're sleeping <laughs> <laughs> it's not very convincing that bit at the end is it but um it's shocking but it's yeah when it the camera actually turns it's not yeah that, yeah that convincing i really like the style of the film i just i just love this kind of dirty grimy 70s low budget american filmmaking and um I think I, I think I like the style of this film even more than I like the story, and the story is pretty good. I think um, this is—is is this the one film that Romero made with a really good male lead? Yeah, I'd say who's so, actually yeah, got, actually got charisma and a personality. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think so. It's so weird and so uncomfortable and so strange and different and just horrible, but really enjoyable, but in a sort of more subtle way than the horrible films he made later. Um, so of all the films, like it's definitely the most stylish, I think. And yeah, the lead is the most interesting. Um, it's still like slightly uncomfortable with like the undertones of incel misogyny. Um, but I could see beyond that and just have a really good time with it. I don't think it is like misogynistic in that. I think because so much of the story is about how he's been convinced by his weird religious family that that he's evil mm. so I don't I, it's almost as if the woman killing doesn't come from him it comes from them I think mm. yeah yes. he does he stops hang on what he, when he starts having se- was he call it sexy time does he call it sexy time <laughs> I think he calls it the, the sex, sex stuff the, doesn't he the sex yeah, stuff the sex when he starts stuff. doing the sex stuff for real on women who are awake he sorts of yeah. sorts of starts sorting himself out a bit doesn't he yeah. I think um so maybe there is something in that, yeah, that, um, I don't know, when he realised that you could do it awake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't have to kill them. Oh, that's much better. Much better. <laughs> maybe maybe he was just put off by that horrible helmet haircut that all the women have. <laughs> maybe it just it wasn't his style. Um, the woman who kills herself, the, uh, the, the sort of bored housewife, um, when I was watching it, because I've seen I've seen Martin a long a long time ago, and then um, uh, so I rewatched it for this, and the 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 the, the woman who is um, who kills herself, uh, that's her only film that she's ever been in, 
And she's so. She killed herself for real. Yeah, that's it. That was it. That was her whole time. (laughs) But she must be so because I properly remembered her. So she's she must be quite a presence in that film because I was sure that I must have seen her in loads of those other things. So like I think those two actors are particularly sort of uh, charismatic in this film. You know, I mean, like you really remember them. There's the other bored housewife, isn't there? Who's like as soon as a. Husband with a beard goes away on business. She starts shagging some bloke who doesn't have a beard. <laughs> I love that scene when they're just just trying to make the phones work. <laughs> just wandering around a house trying to make the extensions work. Are you on the other line, love? It's just that there's a serial killer in here, so if you could just get off. Um, just just like what it was like, actually, when I can remember being a kid. <laughs> on the extension in the bedroom. That, that scene, actually, the uh, home invasion scene, is... Um goes on quite a long time and i don't think romero really keeps a grip of it to no. keep it that interesting for that long i quite like it it goes on for ages because it just again it's sort of you know it's like what would you do if you're a zombie apocalypse you'd run and hide what what would happen if a slightly inept vampire serial killer comes in the house it would take quite a while um and I like I how know, I think is. I don't think he can like like at the start at the start of Martin when Colonel Sanders picks him up at the train at the <laughs> railway station and they walk to the house like are they walking for like half an hour just like walking through the streets that bit takes for ages and ages and ages and ages I just don't think he knows I just don't think he knows how long scenes like how long they should be if with that I mean. though it might partly be sort of scene setting in that it's sort of like oh look at this this suburb where everything's a bit grey but you've got the, oh the no that's definitely what it is kind of art deco and cool and also it might be a character thing it might be that the old the old man's making him walk rather than take the bus because he thinks he's evil he walks well, yes, the, walk the evil out of him that's... I thought Colonel Sanders was meant to be a pimp at first yeah, yeah. <laughs> <a> stick. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a very different film when I was watching it chicken pimp we haven't talked about um, Season of the Witch, a.k.a. Jack's Wife, a.k.a. Hungry Wives. Which, <laughs> hungry Wives? <laughs> I did read on IMDb that on one release they did market Season of the Witch as a porno, which would have right. disappointed anyone who wanted to watch porno, unless they were really, yeah. really into eyeshadow, in which case. Yes. <laughs> and a man doing sit-ups in the middle of the night. Yeah, and bad interior <laughs> design. They would have, you know, if you, if you like if you like bad wallpaper, oh. But I think um, Martin makes a really good companion piece to Season of the Witch Mm. because they're both about similar characters who are outsiders from society, like Martin because he's too edgy and uh, Joan in Hungry Wives because she's not edgy enough and, you know, trying to find their place in the world and and they're both uh, stylistically quite similar and they are my two favourite Romero films, I think. Hmm, Interesting. As with the crazies being like a rehearsal for Dawn of the Dead, I suppose Season of the Witch is kind of a rehearsal for Martin, because that was the earlier one, isn't it? Yeah. So do you think uh, Romero's got any sort of tropes? Is he an altar, or does he just... He just flunks shit at the wall and sees what sticks and then adds a message to it. Right. There's a bit of that, yeah. yeah he doesn't really have any tropes. Though. The 70s stuff has tropes, I think, a little bit, just to do with the, what I was saying about the, the control. And yeah. People feeling alienated and trying to find where they fit in and mistrust of the government mistrust of institutions i suppose well Um, there's very much boo the government boo the military boo capitalism but that's not so much a trope as just kind of obviously his his opinion that comes i'm sorry and Mm. sort of um no idea that humans can sort of get themselves out of problems i think Mm. if you sort of mean he's like very much like 
sort of admiring, yeah, kind of admiring them for trying, but not really feeling like they're ever going to be able to dig themselves out of the. Yeah, we're sort of we're sort of rats in a maze, really. Um, I can't think of any other tropes though. He likes people on talk radio a lot. He likes phone ins. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he loves um, a bit of the old um, radio. Oh, yeah, it does the most in Broser, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But also Martin, of Martin course. Martin as well. Martin. Although not in the... Um, I watched the Italian edit of Martin as well because that's got a Goblin soundtrack and that cuts out most of the uh, talk show bit, the radio hmm. phone-in. Does it even is... cut out the Does it cut out the end one? Or is that still there? Yeah, it's gone as well. Oh. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. That's a big part of Martin, though. That's a, that's a yeah, strange thing to do. Yeah, and that ending with him talking on the phone for quite a while with it... Even You're saying even when he's on the phone when it mm. turns into almost voiceover? Yeah. That's gone. It's all gone. All gone, yeah. Hmm. That's like a mistake. Yeah, it's, it's like um, there's some like key differences. It, it moves the train murder from the opening credits to twelve minutes in, oh. and oh. and it leaves the cousin's departure till the very end. And then as soon as she goes, it just cuts to Colonel Sanders killing him. Just yeah. cuts straight to it. So how does it open instead then? Instead of the with, the, uh, with the long walk through town. Oh, that is okay. a mistake. Yeah. So is, it, is, the, <laughs> is the train stuff a flashback then? How, how was your journey, Martin? Well. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's just. I killed just, a woman. At some point, he gets on a train and kills someone. It's like. Yeah, I've done a bad murder. You don't actually find out that he's a killer until quite a bit in. Ah, okay. The, but you do get Goblin's score on it, which is. It's a good score, but I. In this case, unlike in Dawn of the Dead, I think I prefer the quieter version of the film without that. I like the score of Martin, sort of like weird, experimental, jazzy, yeah. spooky, folky stuff. It, it works really nicely. Yeah, yeah, it works. It works. Cool. Right. Bye, George. I think we've done it. Let's play Scary Noises. <laughs> This month's teams are Brian and Phil playing against Emily and Luke, and one half of each pair of Scary Noises comes, of course, from a George A. Romero film. So here's your first pair of Scary Noises. This is my home for 30 years, and I make every payment until the sickness took my eye. I hope to have more money soon. I just need a little more time. You, uh... I don't think my manager is going to extend you any more credit. Luke, what the fuck was that noise? Camp fever. It's pancakes noise. Oh, um, right, cool. Was the... <laughs> I only got the dialogue. Was the dialogue Drag Me to Hell? Yeah. Um, uh, so, the music yeah. was Land of, Land of the Dead? It wasn't Land of the Dead, but the dialogue was Drag Me to Hell. So, uh, Phil and Brian, can you get the music? This is my home for 30 years, and I make every payment until the sickness took my eye. I hope to have more money soon. I just need a little more time. You, I don't uh... think my manager is going to extend you any more credit. Please. Won't you try? Oh, I don't know. Just take a guess, isn't it? One of the deads. Yeah. It's got good trumpets at the end, though. Night of the Living Dead. Hmm? Night of the Living Dead. No, it was Monkey Shines. Ah. Oh. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number two. The music's Night of the Living Dead this time. It is. Can you guess the dialogue? Uh, no, something to do, King of the Witches. That's all I heard. King of the Witches. 
who's the king of the witches? <laughs> <laughs> I don't Simon. know. That's Simon, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's Simon. Is it, si- is it Simon and the Witch? You mean Simon, king of the witches? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a film. Uh, no, it's not Simon, yeah. king of the witches. Oh. Uh, so, Emily and Luke, you get the dialogue. Baphomet. King of the witches. Lord of the Knights of Templar. Triple face fuck monster of remorseless intent and illuminator of poisonous knowledge. Give me strength. Don't know. Did she say triple fuck monster? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, triple head fuck monster. Uh, satanic panic. <laughs> oh, of oh. course. Bugger. Okay. Right, number three. Have to midnight, that's two and a half hours. I won't be there and Dead Reckoning won't be there, but I'm... Uh, yeah, Granny. Land of the Dead is the dialogue. Yes. Music? Uh, I can't even sing it. I was just excited to hear John Fugger's <laughs> Alvis album. It was... Because um, usually I sing it, Phil, but uh, I've, I've failed you. Aww. Okay, so no? No guess on that? No, sir. Emily and Luke. Have to midnight, that's two and a half hours. I won't be there and Dead Reckoning won't be there, but I'll know if it happens and I'll know if it doesn't happen. Copy? Trouble. In a world where the dead are returning to life, the word trouble is as much of its meaning. He wants money. Pam, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Sounds like a banger, though. Is it Deathgasm? No, it's Only Lovers Left Alive. Ah. Uh. Uh, so, uh, halfway stage, we're at 2 1 to Phil and Bryony. Is number four. That is why he was homeless from us last night. It's Noah's blood. How? How could Brandon have killed Noah and then made it look like a car? You know what kind of weird shit he could do? Noah was drunk and wrecked the car because you let him Yes, die. Emily. Is the music the crazies? It is. Did you get the dialogue? No, I was just excited. So I was like, army noises, it's the crazies. I've no idea what the... Um... <laughs> Luke? Is it stuck? It's not stuck. Oh, stuck's good, isn't it? Um, it's not stuck, though. Phil and Bryony, uh, can you get the dialogue then? That is why he was homeless from us last night. It's Noah's blood. How? How could Brandon have killed Noah and then made it look like a car? You know what kind of weird shit he could do? was drunk and wrecked the car because you let him die. And now you are trying to take out your guilt on our 12-year-old son. Something about a kid being a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Dick kid. Dick kid. Pets. Pet cemetery. Pet cemetery. Well, I was trying to think of kids and car accidents. Uh, No, it was Brightburn. Uh, Is that the superhero one? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, that was a very forgettable movie. <laughs> Number five. She's afraid of his voice. That's the guy, the one in the orange shirt. That's the guy from the hospital, the one I thought looked nice. The one Gordo shot. Oh, yeah, Emily? Uh, the dialogue is Diary of the Dead. It is. Did you get the music? No. Day of the Dead? No. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> uh, 
Phil and Brian, did you get the music? No. It sounds like it should be an Italian sex film. It is, um, an, Italian sex, it yeah. is an Italian sex film. Oh, it's, it's one I've seen and it's good or bad. It's Blood and Black Lace. Oh. Mm. Oh. Three, two to Phil and Brian, eh? with one to go. So here you see a final pair. Toast your chickens, work and shout on fried. Make a scene fried, the whole shebang goes to Kentucky. Yeah, I never touched the chickens. I want to go some army around, I look for a grown-up. I think you understand what I mean. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I understand what you mean, a grown-up. Like somebody else's wife. Fuck you, Pope Pius. Like you never stuck your dick up another man's sandwich. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yes, Phil. That's Bruiser, isn't it? That was Bruiser, yeah. I remember that line because it's so awful. <laughs> so awful. You never stuck your dick up another man's sandwich. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's the sort of thing you would write. Like, you would write it and go, I mean, obviously not that. <laughs> <laughs> There's something like that. And then they kept it in. And kept it in. God bless them. Um, did you get the music? <laughs> I did not. So, Emily and Luke, did you get the music? Uh, Friday the 13th, part three. Oh, Friday the 13th. Oh, it was just, it was just it was Friday, just the, Friday 13th. the 13th. Oh, damn it. Oh. Oh. We should have got so, that. Really that is 4 2 to Phil and Bryony. Hey. Our next month's show, Haunted Houses. Luke's picked the woman in black as one of our features. So, as winner of Scary Noises, Brian E, you'll be here next yep. month. I don't think Phil will. But um, what do you want to pick for our other feature? Do you know what? Can we do 13 Ghosts? Because it's so terrible. It... Yeah. <laughs> it's Matthew Lillard and Pete Matthew Lillard, and it's the one on the list. I was like, ha ha, that's terrible. Let's watch that in depth. Oh, it is. Excellent. Good. I've never seen it. I've never seen either of those films. Oh, it's going to cool. be great. Uh, so message us on Twitter at devilx 5 or email dx5podcast at gmail.com or leave a message on Facebook or Letterboxd and let us know what other haunted house movies you'd like to hear us talk about. And that's pretty much all for this month. Do any of you have anything you want to plug? You can listen to my podcast if you like, Crash Bang Wallet Podcast, all about disasters. I'm doing the Bristol Channel tsunami this month, yes. which is when a tsunami hit Bristol in 1606, except it didn't really. But uh, <laughs> yeah, this Crash Bang Wallet Podcast. Find us on all good podcast platforms and all the bad ones as well. Cool. Yes. We'll leave it there then. Uh, we're back next month with Haunted Houses. So what we're doing, 13 Ghosts and the Woman in Black are our features. Until then, uh, thanks for listening. (laughs) 